Zach made a joke about his Palm Sunday, and uh, we, we laugh about that because palm, obviously it was the palm branches that they waved for Jesus. But I like to think about Palm Sunday because, you know, Isaiah 49 says that God has your name engraved on the palm of his hands. Can, can we just think about that for a second, that he knows us and loves us and knows us by name? You're not just, we're not just some random collection of people that, oh, I can't even see what's going on over there, like an ant colony with just a bunch of people around it. He knows us individually by name, and he's got us engraved on the palm of his hands, and he loves us, and he's with us at all times. So even though uh, I'm not going to give everybody a palm frond today, uh, how many of you tied palm fronds into crosses when you were growing up? Uh, see my my Catholic roots or yeah um, we're not going to give out prom fronds to everybody but even if you take it away and you think about the joke that we made of Happy Palm Sunday take away thinking about Jesus has my name right there always before him on the palm of his hands and be encouraged by that this morning man thank you Jesus for what you're doing in our midst we ask that you would keep doing more of it in us can we say amen to that. If, if nothing else, it doesn't matter what I'm asking you to do, what your neighbor's asking you to do, your spouse, we want him to do more of what he wants to do in our lives. And if we keep ourselves positioned there, it's all going to be okay. okay all right? Uh, so we started a series for the Easter season called Turning Points. And we're in the middle of this series leading up to, to Easter. Today is Palm Sunday, obviously. And Turning Points, for definition of our use in this series, Turning Points are those pivotal moments in our lives where we have opportunities to make decisions that either move us closer to where Jesus wants us to go, where we're headed for our lives, or we make a decision to move further away. And as we said last week, even those times when we miss it and we make the decision to move further away, hear the voice of Jesus saying, recalculating in your life. So he will even take our mistakes and use them. But, but turning points are those moments where we're confronted with a choice to do what's right, to see what he wants us to do. And we've been looking at the, the turning points that Jesus faced in his life on the road to Easter. He was on the way to the resurrection. That was his goal, was he was going to display that he had defeated death and sin forever and ever, amen, period. He was on his way to Easter, but there were a bunch of decisions he faced the whole way along the way, and how he reacted to them really influences what we're supposed to be doing in our lives. He was our example and our model. And uh, the key verse for this series, we read it last week, Luke nine fifty one says, As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And we encouraged ourselves to be resolved in our faith and our journey that we're taking with Jesus. And I will tell you, when Jesus had that fixed gaze towards his destiny, he was resolutely set, or he set his face like a flint. If you've got an older translation, it may say that. Uh, to be resolute, that came from thousands of turning points that were small, inconsequential things along the journey but he made the right decision, and it led him to a place where he could say, I'm going to do this no matter what. So I'm going to encourage you that it doesn't matter how small or how big these pivotal moments in our lives are. They continue to build something to, in us where we can get to a point where we say, I am resolutely fixed towards my destiny, and nothing can shake me. So thousands of small decisions help us to be resolute. And last week we said that when we are obedient in a turning point, it will propel spiritual growth in our lives because we saw Jesus being obedient and it says he grew in wisdom and favor and stature. And if he needed that, so do we. So our, our obedience in these moments helps us to grow. And uh, I will say that I think the turning points in our lives feel different depending on our circumstances. 
There are, there are things going around us that sometimes we feel like it's easier or it's harder to make a decision. And I, I was just wondering this week, has anybody ever prayed one of those prayers because you're in a mess and you pray a prayer something like, God, if you just get me out of this, I will fill in the blank. Come on, who's, who's ever been there with me? If we're honest, almost every hand would probably go up because we've made messes out of our lives and we get desperate and we pray, I don't, I don't know what it is, God, if you get me out of this, I'll, I'll go to church every Sunday for the rest of my life or I'll give half my money away. Maybe you're like Matthew the tax collector. I'll make it right for everybody. I don't know what you've prayed, but we all get in those desperate moments and sometimes I think it's easier to do the right thing or to want to do the right thing when we're desperate. Does that resonate with anybody else? We get in those moments where it's like, there is so much pressure, God. I'll do whatever you ask to get out of this moment. I think, and this maybe is just my personal opinion, but I think difficult times aren't always the hardest times to make the right decision. I think sometimes it's much harder to deal with those pivotal moments in our lives when everything's going great. I, I think sometimes good times make for hard times. And when, what I mean by that is good times in the natural make hard times for our decisions in the spiritual because we think things are great, things are so easy, and we start to forget our need. When we were in that moment and we were praying, God, if you just get me out of this mess, I'll do whatever you want. And we get to that place where, hey, things are going great. God really came through. He delivered me. This is awesome. Do you know, we still get faced with moments that we have to make the right decision. There are pivotal things that come up in our lives when things are going great. And it's those moments that I think are harder to deal with sometimes because we forget where we've come from. Uh, I, we had a couple stories in our lives that I just wanted to share with you. Uh, Daniel, Daniel and the boys are in Legoland this week. It was their spring break from school. So he booked a plane ticket, said, I'm going to take the boys to go see the, his parents and have fun all week. Heather didn't have enough vacation to do that with her family. And so Eli's telling me, he says, Pap, we're going to Legoland in 10 days. And, and he's so excited. And then he remembers Heather standing there. And he says, but mom can't go. Like, <laughs> don't tell her. She'll feel bad about it. So that, that's where they are this morning. And then Pam felt bad about Heather not being able to go. So she took Heather away for the weekend. So that's, that's where they are, in case you were wondering. I, it just occurred to me that I'm about to tell a story about Pam. And she's not sitting in the front row, like, reining me in. So... If this story doesn't go well, don't tell Pam. It's like that commercial on the TV, don't tell, don't tell your mom. Like, don't tell mom. So uh, when, we, when we lived in Virginia, when I first met Pam, she was the church secretary at the church we were going to. And, and she had come to that position, uh, had a couple jobs in other places, and, and had this opportunity to go to the church and work. And she thought, man, this is going to be great. I'm working in a church. Well, maybe you know working in a church isn't always... <laughs> Anyway, uh, you, you can, it's like a lot of other jobs. There's people and there's hours and stuff comes up. And Andrea will tell you, like, when, when you come in every morning and Tammy's there, is, do you guys just sing to each other and it's glowing? And, like, that's not how it works. So it, it, it's not always easy, no matter what job you have. And so Pam, in the course of working at the church... Like anybody else, she was frustrated a couple times. I don't think things are going the way they should go, whatever. She wanted to quit like three or four times. Like, I've had it. I'm, I'm ready to just go do something else. Have you ever been there? Come on. We, we face this sometimes with our regular jobs. And, and we think, I want to quit. I just want to walk out. And she couldn't do it for whatever reason. Whether it was 
the, the Holy Spirit reining her in, or, or Pastor Lee begging and saying, please don't quit, we, we don't know what we'll do. She didn't quit when the times were hard. And then, when we were getting ready to have Silas, uh, she was about six months pregnant, and she knew, like, everything's going well at work, this is great, and I feel like this is the time to lay it down. Those are hard choices to make sometimes, of, hey, things are going great, and now I think it's time to step into something else. I, I, we had a similar experience when we moved to Pittsburgh. Uh, it, was, it was a wonderful time in our lives. We loved our jobs. We loved our neighborhood. The church was going great. And it was in that moment that we were praying and saying, God, is this the, the plan you have for us to move back to Pittsburgh? And it was in that moment of things are going great. That was a pivotal moment in our lives. That was a turning point for us. And in that moment, things were going great. And that was one of the harder decisions we've ever made when things are going great to say, we're going to lay this down to follow where you're leading us, Lord. And that's the point I'm trying to make is there are times when it's almost more difficult to make a decision to follow Jesus when things are going great than it is when we're in the mess praying, God, get me out of this. And so I want to look at Jesus had those moments. He, He saw both ends of the spectrum. Amen. When, when times were hard and when times were great, he faced turning points in those moments. He, he often went back and forth between, maybe even in the same chapter as you're reading, he went back and forth between people wanting to follow him forever and people wanting to kill him. So, so he knew what it was like to have to make decisions, whether it was a hard time or a good time. And since I just laid out the case, I think it's harder to make those decisions in good times. I want to look at a couple good times for Jesus when he got confronted with turning points and had to make a pivotal decision in his life. So uh, the first one in his life that I wanted to look at is in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. It's when Jesus was getting baptized. And it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Did anybody else have a baptism experience like that? Like, like really, I, I was only, I was young, seven maybe, seven or eight, somewhere in that range. I remember they had the list out in front of the church, and you had to go sign your name on the list. And I was terrified of the list. Like, if I go put my name on there, they're going to put me in that water. And I remember standing there and saying a few words, and then they put me under the water. I don't remember heaven opening and this voice coming down from heaven and, and the Holy Spirit showing up in the form of a dove. Like, I would say this is a pretty monumental moment for Jesus to have affirmation of this really is the Christ. He's coming up out of the water. The Holy Spirit is present in power. And the voice of the Father comes. This is my beloved Son. Come on, talk about a moment of this is great. I have this affirmation. I know who I am. The Holy Spirit's empowering me to come and to do things I've been created to do. What a mountaintop moment. And I will tell you that mountaintop moments always have turning points associated with them. Because the very next verse after Jesus got baptized in Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Come on. Talk about needing to follow God. If you're saying, hey, I just had this moment, I think we would all be tempted as normal human beings as we are, right? I think we'd be tempted like, did you guys just hear that voice? Like, 
hey, let's, let's have a meeting, let's take an offering, let's start the church right now. That would be my first thought, is everybody here just heard, this is my son, let's, let's do this thing. And in that mountaintop moment, Jesus was confronted with, am I going to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Even asking me to do something hard, to let, to let go of this moment that I'm having right here, to follow you even out into the desert. Talk about a hard moment being confronted with. I think that the turning point that Jesus was confronted with in that moment is, am I going to embrace hardships in my life? Do you know that not every hardship is from the devil? I got at least one right. Everybody else, we, we get in a hard spot and we're like, oh, deliver me, Jesus. Get behind me, Satan. Come on. Not every hard moment is from the devil. Some of those hard moments are God wanting to develop character in our lives. God wanting us to, to have a work ethic or to see and rely on him in those situations. Those are the hard, hard moments that I think we need to embrace. And Jesus did that in that moment. He showed that it's possible to say, I'm going to follow you, God. Even though that seemed like an awesome moment, I'm going to follow you into the hard places to see what's developed in my life. And I'm not, come on, I'm not talking about sickness, disease, or those, the things that the devil does bring. I'm just talking about hard moments that we're confronted with. Am I going to do the right thing? Am I going to follow God? Am I going to let go of the things he wants me to let go? Am I going to embrace what he wants me to embrace? And Jesus, in that pivotal moment, he said, I'm not going to avoid this hardship. I'm going to walk through it because I know the Father is with me. And there are situations that come into our lives just like that, that we can't shrink back from. They're going to develop character in us. They're going to help uh, strengthen us and develop that image of Jesus inside of us for everybody else to see. And uh, it's, it's interesting. I've read the Passion Translation of Matthew 4. One, it says Jesus was led in the wilderness in order to reveal his strength against the accuser by going through the ordeal of testing. I thought that was pretty cool. Like we think, oh, well, you know, well, James says God doesn't tempt anybody, but like the Holy Spirit led Jesus out in the wilderness to be tempted. And it actually implies that God was revealing the character of Jesus in the face of the accuser. And I think sometimes we miss that those are the, the hard moments that we go through. It's not because God wants you to suffer or put you under his thumb or make life miserable. He's putting you on display to say, look at my son or daughter. Watch, watch them go through this opportunity to grow. Watch how they have my image in them. I think we need to embrace those hardship moments and know what God and recognize what he wants us to do. I'm hearing the kids yell in the floor. You guys are hearing that too, right? And we're all wondering, man, what hardships are the nursery workers going through right now? Man, God bless our nursery workers. Who's thankful for a nursery worker? Like, people... Steve and Corinne are awesome. They help uh, get the playhouse together with the infants and the toddlers. And that's, that's one of those unseen ministries that we all should be more actively appreciating, I think, sometimes. Especially if you have kids, you appreciate them. Uh, so anyway, Jesus showed that letting the Holy Spirit lead us, even through hard moments, is the way that we need to go for our lives. And if Jesus was our example and modeled that, we can do that too. We can embrace those hard moments and let him develop something in us. And uh, here's what happened. Because Jesus made the right choice in that pivotal moment in Luke 4.14, after he was tempted in the desert, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. That's pretty cool. If we make the right decision, you know, turning points can increase the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When, when we say yes to him and we let him develop those things in us, we need to be aware that, 
hey, you're going to do something here. There's something supernatural going to happen. And we're going to see that in another story also. But uh, after his baptism and his time in the desert, Jesus really stepped out into his public ministry. He began to do some amazing things that had highs and lows. Uh, But here's another one of the highs. He just got done feeding 5,000 people, which is a lot more like I'm looking around this room thinking, how could I give all of you lunch? And I'm overwhelmed by that thought. But to think Jesus is sitting there looking at 5,000 people, with, and that was just the men. There were women and children also. And he did a miracle where he fed everybody on the hillside with five loaves and two fish. How many of you would, would love a loaf, loaf and fish lunch? Like, wouldn't that be pretty cool? Even in this room with the numbers that we are, that would be awesome to take five loaves and two fish and feed everybody. And Jesus did it with 5,000, and they picked up 12 baskets of bread afterwards. But just after he had done that miracle in John chapter 6, it says, after the people saw this miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Come on, the, the prophet, if you've never read or studied any of that, uh, Moses actually promised before he died. He said, God is going to send you another prophet just like me. And so the Jews had been waiting for thousands of years. Where is the prophet that God promised through Moses? And they're beginning to say, surely this, this must be the guy. This is the prophet that God sent. And uh, even as I was reading that this week, I thought it was very interesting that uh, Islam calls Muhammad the prophet. Did you ever put that together? Like, here's, because I, just to be very clear in this room this morning, the God that Islam worships as Allah is not the same as the Father that we worship that was revealed in Jesus. Okay? And, and I know there's a lot of people that try to make that case. Oh, it's all the same God. We, we serve, you just call him Allah. We just call him. He's not. Jesus was God revealed in the flesh. And he is the only way to the Father. And I think it's very interesting that, that a counterfeit of that, the main person in their religion that they look back to, they call him the prophet because the Jews were waiting forever and ever. Is the prophet going to come? So that's, that's a complete aside for our story this morning. But don't be swayed by that. We, we have the truth. Yeah. We have the truth and we can be truth. I, I think if, uh, if Allah had his way through force we would all be subservient to that religion. And if Jesus has his way through the power of love, the world will be changed. And I think there's a big difference in those two methods to go about transforming the world. All right. Thank you, Pastor Chris, for addressing hard things in the middle of your sermon. Uh, But that's good news right there, that the Jews saw the prophet coming. And uh, in verse 15, it says this, because they were excited. They just got fed 5,000 people like, Jesus, you just met our natural need right now that we had. And in six, chapter 6, verse 15, it says, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountaintop by himself. Come on. The reason Jesus came was to be king. That, that, was, that was part of the mission. That was what he was after. And here's a moment. Man, we did a great miracle. The crowd is with me. They're wanting to come and even by force, you know, take and say Jesus is going to be king. And I'm thinking even of the story when Jesus is in front of Pilate. And Pilate's having the conversation with Jesus. Pilate's like, you are a king then. And Jesus says, you're right. It's for this reason I was born. But then he also goes on to say, hey, my, my kingdom isn't of this world. And so he, was, he came to be made a king. Letting the people make him a king right then at that moment would have been very tempting. 
I don't know if you guys would feel that or not, but I would. Like, hey, I came to be king, and here's a whole crowd of over 5,000 people saying, let's make him king right now. And in that moment, I think the turning point that Jesus faced, come on, this, this is a high. Things are going great in the ministry. We just fed all those people. The, the people are with me. They want to make me king right now. And the turning point that Jesus was confronted with, am I going to do things man's way or God's way? Because when Jesus made that decision, I think he was showing us there's no shortcuts in the kingdom to get to where God wants us to be, to let him develop what he wants to in our character. There's no shortcut that you can take to get there. We have to walk through the things that he wants us to walk through. And the world's way definitely is not the kingdom way. They wanted to do it by force. And Jesus said, hey, I've, I've come to serve. I've come not to fight with flesh and blood, but to show you a different way. And that's the the, face, the thing that we get faced with in our lives is are we going to do things man's way or God's way? And there are a lot of times we're tempted to take shortcuts. We're tempted to do things the world's way just because it's easier, it's faster. We'll get to where we want to go and it doesn't matter how we got there. And God's telling us, hey, the obedient thing is to do things God's way and not man's way. And I, I will say, uh, if you suspect that the advice you're getting is the world's way, Take some time to get alone with God. Because do you see what Jesus did at the end of that verse? It says they wanted him to make him a king by force, and he withdrew to a mountain by himself. I, I need to get these other voices out of my life right now. They're, they're tempting me to do things the world's way and embrace things. I need to get alone with my father and be refreshed by his voice and get centered back on what he wants me to do. And that's something that we can do also. If you think, oh, there's a shortcut, I'll take it. Everybody's telling me to take it. You need to back up a minute and get alone with God. Uh, so the next thing that Jesus did, uh, if you look at that, that story in Matthew 14 where he fed the 5,000, it actually says he went alone by himself to pray. And after he prayed, spent some time alone with God, do you know what the very next thing that happened in that story is? He walked on water. Making the right decision in a turning point releases supernatural activity in our lives. And Jesus, in that moment where he could have said, let's do this thing, make me king right now, he made the right choice, said, I'm going to get alone with the Father, I'm going to remember why I came, I'm going to get back on his plan. And that moment of saying yes to God released supernatural activity. The disciples had sailed out in the boat and Jesus said, oh, I'll catch up to them, I'll just walk out across the water and get in the boat with them. And I don't know what the supernatural activity in our lives might look like. It, it may or may not be walking on water. I don't know. But I know that if you say yes to God, you can have an expectation that the Holy Spirit will show up and begin to do more in my life. And when that happens, <laughs> you're in a good place, whether it was a hard spot or a good spot to get there. Uh, so making the right choice in a turning point opens that door to supernatural activity. One, one other time when it seemed to be going well for Jesus that I wanted to talk about this morning is in John chapter 12. And it says uh, in verse 12 of chapter 12, the next day a great crowd had come for the feast and they heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And this is the story we're celebrating today with Palm Sunday. It says they took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the king of Israel. Come on, this was the greeting that they gave to a returning king. If somebody had gone out and won a great victory, I... I actually think it's interesting. Jesus was prophesied to come riding on a donkey. And uh, 
they had a tradition back then. If, if a king, if an invading army was coming for war, they rode into town on horses. If they were coming to offer terms of peace, they came riding on donkeys. So feed on that one for a little bit. Um, but Jesus came in riding on a donkey, and here's this great moment. They're shouting their acclamation to him. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Hosanna means save us. You're the king. It was an act of adoration saying, we, we want you to rule over us. You are the guy. We're welcoming you just like a king, laying our coats and our palm branches in the, in the street. I'm not putting my coat down for a donkey to walk on. Just, I love Jesus, but I'm picturing like, you know, what donkeys like. Anyway, uh, they were doing this for him. They're laying all this stuff in the street. Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the dead. That was part of the celebration. The religious people got ticked off because he raised the guy from the dead. Come on. That, if that's not an evidence of something that's messed up, it says not only were the Jews plotting to kill Jesus, they were plotting how can we kill Lazarus again? Like how can we make him dead again? That's how messed up they were. And the crowds, though, saw you've got power over death. We want you to be the king. And so there's this great high moment that Jesus is in. And the next recorded words of Jesus, he begins to talk about dying and serving people. That's not exactly the message. Like how to win friends and influence people. How to be a great communicator. You've got the crowd wrapped around your finger. They want to make you king. They're welcoming you as victorious. And you start talking about, I'm going to die. And I came to serve everybody. And I want to give my life away. That wasn't the message to win a whole bunch of followers. But that was exactly the message he communicates to us. Jesus says, I came to die so that you could have my life. And then you're going to get my life so you can give it away and serve people. And he's entrusted us with that message. Even in that moment where it was like, hey, we're riding on a high here. We could do this. We could take over Israel. We could drive the Romans out. He says, no, I'm I'm still going to do things God's way. And they were shouting their praise to him. And in that moment, I think the turning point that Jesus faced was, am I going to let this go to my head? Am I going to believe my own press? How many of you have ever gone through a season in life where we, we had a little bit of a too high of an opinion of ourselves? And reality came in and knocked us down a few pegs. I think Jesus was confronted with, am I going to take all this praise that they're giving me and receive it and do something with it? Or am I going to continue to stay humble and serve the Father? And the only, I think the only opinion we need to be concerned about is what God says about us. It's never about what people around you are saying, good, bad, or ugly. Come on, we've got people around us that they say hateful things. We've got people around us that pump us up and blow smoke at us. But no matter good, bad, or the ugly, those opinions don't count as much as what God is saying about us. And watch what Jesus did. After talking about to the crowd about his death, after the triumphal entry, after talking about dying and serving, in John twelve thirty six, very similar to the other stories, when he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. In every pivotal moment in our lives, we need to spend some time with God and expect to see his supernatural activity come as a result of it. It doesn't matter what story we're looking at with Jesus or what story is going on in our lives. If we're confronted with a, a pivotal moment in our lives, a turning point, we need to spend some time alone with God, just like Jesus withdrew himself. Come on, if it was something that Jesus needed to do, to get away from the crowd, to get away from the noise and be alone with the Father. If he needed that, what makes us think that we don't need that? And in every moment, we need to get alone with the Father 
And we need to expect to see him move and his activity to increase in our lives. So here is the action item that I want us to do this week. Leading up to Easter, coming off Palm Sunday in celebration, I want us to make an appointment with God. And I don't know, maybe you've already got time carved out in your schedule that you do this regularly. Maybe you've never thought to do it before. I want us to purpose to say, you know what? Just like Jesus withdrew by himself to spend some time with the Father, I'm going to make an I'm going to carve out some time in my schedule to be away from everybody else, every other voice, and just hear what God is saying right now, this week, over my life. And when we do that, I want us to do it with an expectation that as we hear his voice, his activity is going to increase around us. Whatever that looks like, whether, whether we're going to see opportunities to see people get saved or see more people get healed or see increase come in our lives, however it comes, expect that, hey, on the other side of me spending time with God, I'm going to see the Holy Spirit move and do something in my life. How many of you have a calendar that you could write this in right now? How many of you got it on your phone right at this moment? Like, literally, if you need to put it on your phone and block it out, make an appointment to get away with God. And maybe you want to do it like Jesus did and find a mountainside to go up the mountainside and spend some time. Maybe you're a camper and spring is here and you're like, hey, we're going to go out in the woods and be alone with Jesus. I don't care what it is. Just make an appointment to say, Lord, I want to be with you and hear what you're saying right now. Let's go ahead and stand together in this place. I believe that God wants to do special things in each of our lives. He's, he's not just interested in moving in the, the big names or the people that we think need it the most. Like He knows us by name, just like we said at the beginning. He's got our names engraved on the palms of his hands, and he wants to meet with us. Father, we come before you right now, and we ask for your goodness to manifest in our lives. As we purpose in our hearts to spend time with you, to, to draw ourselves away, to get away from the other voices in our lives and the, the, the advice that we're getting from the world is we purpose to be with you. God, I thank you right now that every person in this room will have ears to hear what you're saying, that we will sense your presence, that we will know that you are with us, that we will hear you speaking to us. And God, in, in those moments, stir us with an expectation that we will see an increase of your activity in our lives. Even, even as we gave an offering this morning and said, God, use this giving to increase the evidence of heaven in our lives. We ask that that's what you would do. Let your presence in our lives be so tangible that the people around us would see it and come to know you. God, I thank you even leading up to this season of celebrating your resurrection, Jesus. Give us opportunities to tell people about your goodness and the life that you laid down so that we could have life. We just say that we love you, we honor you, we ask that as we go from this place, we would go just like Jesus came out of the desert, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Send us out, Lord, to be ambassadors for you in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.